0: And, of course, this is where we'll have our uh, intro stuff mm-hmm. next week. For real, we're going to get to it next week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Dipped in Tone. This is episode four. I'm Rhett. I'm Zach. Yeah. Man, we're three for three good episodes. About to have uh, four for four. 100% success right. rate here.
1: <laughs> so far. Uh, I the, the last episode, <clears throat> people were saying, you know, I was really quiet and... You know, and I felt really subdued because I didn't say my son was asleep, like literally behind the camera, behind the wall. He yeah. was taking a nap, and so I was talking very quietly. But uh, but now I'm going to be a little bit more excited on this one, I think. So, <laughs> right, Well, don't <laughs> overshoot the, the mark. Now.
0: You know, don't overcompensate <laughs> for yeah, this yeah. one. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, what's new? What's going on?
1: Man, uh, n- nothing too much. I've been, like, fighting a lot of... Uh, Battles overseas trying to get uh, my supply lines kind of organized. A lot of the fab houses that like make my circuit boards are like going through some changes. COVID kind of like caused a lot of problems. And then they finally got back up and like, you know, back to normal. But um, the main place I use, they're like, they're putting all their production on hold. So I'm kind of (laughs) panicking. Uh, uh, because I need circuit boards to make pedals. And um, yeah, so I think I found a new place, but uh, it's just like, I, I don't handle that sort of transition well. I don't know about you, but like when things are different and I'm like set in my ways of like, this is how I make my stuff, like I don't want to change. Yeah. When I have to change, it like really, really, really stresses me out. So yeah, that's what I, I've been going through. <laughs>
0: obviously I don't deal with, you know, the, the pedal and supply chain and logistics and all that kind of stuff. But, um, my version of that is workflow for like doing this kind of thing, recording stuff. Um, my big challenge right now is because I work out of a really small space and you know, it's not actually my space yet. I'm having to constantly like all of my setups are temporary so it's like right now i have all my recording stuff sitting on top of an amp road case and then i'm gonna have to break all this down to shoot a video today and then i'm gonna be on another podcast tonight shout out to uh, a tone control podcast i'm gonna be a guest on on their show um and so i'm gonna have to bring all this stuff back in here and reset up and and so yeah that that is one of the big things we're getting close to buying a house and uh that's like probably the biggest thing i'm excited for is like not owning a home and like having a yard and all the homeowner stuff it's god I'll finally be able to have a room that just stays set up i can just leave my stuff set up and not have to break it down all the time
1: right yeah for for us when we finally got this place cuz i was building everything out of a, a sm- like a really small bedroom in an apartment um the the fact that i could have like a guitar room with like guitars and like stuff for for just having fun set up and then have a garage where I could actually work was monumental. But even that for me, I'm like terrible at organization. Yep. So all the time when I do live streams, people are like, can we see your workbench? I'm like, no, cause it, uh, it's just covered in junk because I, I'm really bad about not picking up after myself. I just like work, 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 work. And then I leave. So, uh, it's embarrassing.
0: Yeah. You guys can't see this side of my room. (laughs) Um, it's just—it's literally a pile of pelican cases and gear and pedals and camera equipment and cables—and it's—I just push it over there and kind of—it's just out of sight and out of mind, so don't have to really stress about it and worry about it. But right, <laughs> the day—the day moving day comes or the time moving day comes is going to be a uh, a fresh hellish nightmare to try and. I mean, even just cable management, dude. Like back there, I, I got back behind my desk the other day. I installed a, a USB C hub and everything for my mm. my work computer, and I got back there and looked at the mess. I was like, "Oh Jesus Christ, this is <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> this is really bad."
1: It's one of those things you think in the moment. You know, I really should have taken care of this when I started mm. like putting all this together. Yeah, but then you just. You're like, ah, I'm too busy. I don't have time. And then, yeah, when you go to look at it. But I, f- I find moving very cathartic because then you kind of gives you the chance to organize everything and label everything so when you get to the next place, you can do it well. In your mind, you say, I can do this right.
0: Can you but, just come uh, move uh, yeah. me then? Because I hate it. <laughs> I, I hate it. There are so many things I would rather do than move. <laughs>
1: well, do you know what happened to me when we bought our house? No. Okay, so uh we were were like we, we saw so many houses it was a, such a stressful thing and we finally found this place and literally the day before we were set to move in to this house and our and our, our lease in our apartment was like up that we had to get out um i i like started feeling bad i i I, I I had this like huge pressure in my chest and the seasons were changing and I thought, you know, maybe maybe it's just allergies, you know, the, the pollen's really bothering me. But it kept getting worse and it kept getting worse. So I went to like a walk-in clinic and they were like, yeah, that's really weird. And so they checked my blood and I went home and then a few hours later they called me and they're like, hey, you need to go to the ER because you might be having a heart attack. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So turns out, I had what's called pericarditis, where I had like an upper respiratory infection that got to my chest, and when that happens, sometimes your body protects your heart by like swelling all the tissue around it, so your heart is just like being compressed, and it feels like someone's sitting on you, like it's it's horrible, but I had to go to the ER, and so I was in the ER for 22 hours, or I was in the hospital for like 22 hours. I went. They checked me in. They immediately got me in a room, and I just had to wait. And they, like, you know, did all the scans, did all the stuff. Meanwhile, Morgan is having to move our entire apartment into our brand new house without me, just with the help of like my family, like her in-laws, and like a bunch of my goofy pedal friends.
0: <laughs> oh my god, dude!
1: Uh, it was it was she, bad, but
0: she's a hero, I, man.
1: I, but I was okay. Uh, it's just they, they were like, "Yeah, you just take some ibuprofen." And I'm like, "Well, can I go home? Like, don't make me stay here and pay for this."
0: That's man, a salt tablet. Take a salt tablet, it'll be alright. <laughs> so walk it off. <laughs> yeah, alright, walk it off. That's crazy, man. Yeah, I, I uh, never knew that, and I've decided for this for this next. Uh, well, first of all, I'm glad you're okay. So, con- congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> on making it uh i have decided for this next move we're hiring a pedal company so or not oh, jesus christ not a pedal company <laughs> we're gonna hire mythos pedals we're gonna hire a moving company um because tilly you know we've we've been together for eight and a half years now and for her you know every year she would well almost every year she would move so it'd be apartment new roommate apartment new roommate and then we moved in together and then we got married and we had a place in in Atlanta for a while so it's like I've moved with her at this point probably nine times yeah. and I'm just done with it I'm just done like yeah I've I've moved in and out of this basement tons of times I've moved in and out of apartments I mean I know it's part of life everyone's done it right woe is me sob story but now it's like we're 30 years old we're we're you know finally making some adult money and I'm just gonna pay we actually don't have that much stuff Right. Believe it or not, like we don't have that much. We have one storage unit and then some stuff here in the basement. So w- we could do it all in one truck, and I'm just gonna have a moving company come in and just do all of it because I'm, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyways,
1: I, I recommend that.
0: Yeah, this is not a moving podcast. <laughs> no, this is no. a guitar podcast. Um, man, so we got a couple of uh, topics here.
1: Sure, 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 sure.
0: The first one I really like. You uh, you <laughs> pitch this shat on the shape. Rhett doesn't like guitar shapes Zach likes. <laughs> that's true. We have very different tastes in guitar yeah. shapes. So this is an interesting topic because, first of all, this is all subjective, and we should preface this by saying um, there is no right or wrong here, okay? This is just personal preference, and uh, what you like is different than what I like, and what the viewers like is different than what we like, and that's totally cool, okay? That that sure. makes us all unique, Um Little snowflakes, but <laughs> uh, you you sent me some stuff last week. You're like, hey man, what do you think about this? Yeah, It's like, Mm-mm. well, for those that
1: don't know, I have I'm trying to like purge some gear, and so I've, I've been thinking of like all these trades and things I could do. And every time I see something that could be you know potential trade bait, I'll, I'll send a a link to Rhett, and most of the time he's like, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not that um, I'm not that brash about it. No, I, 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 I'm a little bit more, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, it's like, well, oh, that's not my favorite thing, but Hey, whatever floats your ber- boat, man, whatever blows your skirt up, you know? So, uh, the first one that you sent me last week, mm. I have it pulled up here. Uh, the Frank brothers. Now we should, we should, I, I should start by saying, um, this is just my personal preference. I'm not here to shit on anybody's guitar brand. I'm not here yeah. to shit on any builders. I'm sure this is an amazing guitar. I've never played one. Uh, we're just talking about the shape here. We're not talking about the tone, the playability, the build quality, any of that stuff. To me, I don't think this shape looks great. I think it's a little, the proportions are just a little weird. Yeah. But you dig it. Why do you dig it?
1: Man, it's because it's different, I think. Because for those listening to the podcast, um, picture, if you will... (laughs) a like, double cutaway Les Paul, but both of the cutaways are kind of, they're pointy. They're almost like mini, uh, like like two Explorer horns. Um, I don't think they, this looks
0: like a Les Paul at all.
1: Well, I mean, it's got the waist, you know, it's like, you know, that sort of
0: body. I mean. It looks more to me, it looks more like a, okay, if you took the bottom half of a Telecaster, because that's what like the lower bout sort of looks like. It's almost like a Tele shape mm. with a unique top half that has kind of uh, just two sharp horns. Yeah. I'm trying to think, it, it is a unique shape for sure. Yeah. Uh, the one I'm looking at is the a gold top has two P90s. Lovely tortoise uh, shell pick guard on yeah. that. Um, I just, man, here's what it is. It's the, to me, it's the asymmetry in the horns. The fact that they're, they're off balance and they're kind of pointed almost in two different directions here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, kind of throwing me off a little bit
1: yeah there, there's just some i've been following them for a while because i remember i first heard about them when um there's like the guitar showcase at nam where all yeah. the, the boutique really guitar showcase small companies kind of like showcase their stuff i i saw the because they have a couple different models and um i was like yeah that's kind of you know unique and then joey landreth because they're, they're uh, I think they're out of Toronto, or they're based out of Canada. Uh, he was like, hey, have you seen these? And I was like, yeah. And he, he played some, and he said they're cool. And I don't know, that I just like, it's one of those shapes that's just grown on me the more I saw it. Because at first, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. But the more I see it, and the more I like, and I think a lot of it, too, is I follow these guys, and it's just like, this literally brothers running this company, and they're doing things in kind of a unique way. It just gets me excited, because to be quite honest, when I first saw the Novo, I didn't like it. Mm. I was like, that's kind of weird. And then mm-hmm. after I kept looking at it, I was like, no, I get it, you know.
0: Yeah. But the Novo thing is is very polarizing. Um, it is. I've seen comments about my my Saris Jade that are and people are just like that is the most hideous guitar I've ever seen. I can't believe anybody likes that. And and you know what? I love it, but I get it. I totally get it. It's like, yeah, you know what? That's not for everybody. It's a weird shape. It's a funky look. It doesn't look like anything traditional, but to me, the proportions are right on it. Like, yeah, I think that's something Dennis does really well. If you look at all of his shapes that he does, they're all unique, but they're proportioned. Right. And I think that's incredibly hard to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The how a guitar sits in your lap or hangs on a strap uh, how it fits against your body is I would say probably the most important part apart from the sound.
0: Right. Right. So yeah, that's the thing. And, and the, go, talking about the Frank brothers. I love that, you know, small company brothers. It yeah. looks, I mean, even just by looking at the pictures, I can tell this is probably an unbelievable sounding guitar. Mm-hmm. I also love the, uh, the, the, the headstock here. They've got, um, they match with the pick guard material. That's oh, a man. great, touch yeah the headstock
1: Uh, they call it a bow tie and it looks like a bow tie turned upright and yeah i I love the headstock and i love their logos and all the stuff they do like i don't to me it's just sharp but i get it
0: yeah and and i struggle to talk about this because i hate i don't want to talk bad about some like this is somebody's design and and they put a lot of work in this but uh it's just the shape i just can't i just can't get behind it man
1: it's a valid conversation i mean like the, there's a lot of shapes in the guitar world that that have been around for ages that i just like i could never ever 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 see myself playing guitar you know like
0: some, like some of the like stuff oh yeah okay you know? i was gonna say what's your what's your sort of uh kryptonite here
1: yeah i mean like those sort of things i find very um unappealing like okay <laughs> a, mo- a more modern more, well Modern is not the right word, but a more contemporary example is the new D'Angelico electric stuff. Mm. People are head over heels about those things. And I've played them. Like they're good guitars, but I t- aesthetically, they do not tickle my fancy at all.
0: Yeah. So, what about, I mean, because the shapes are relatively traditional. So what is it about the, the new D'Angelico De- that you don't dig?
1: There's it's, it's little things. There's like this the shape of the cutaway. This is like really like t- I, <laughs> I'm a slave to m- minutia, mm-hmm. uh, like those Sick sort band of things name, dude. really bother me. I mean you know, um, and maybe we'll talk about this later on in this podcast. But like the, the I sweat the small stuff, and those things are really hard for me to get past. Like just mm. little details. I'm not a huge fan of like the D'Angelico headstock shape on an electric guitar. I think on a on a, a jazz box. The little yeah. um little metal thing in the headstock yeah is like the little decorative cool, right but on a on just a, like a 335 copy i just like i don't know don't, yeah i
0: don't get it um that reminds me they uh they they reached out to me and i think i'm going to try and i want to try out one of their jazz boxes because i don't have any guitar like that like a big you know fully hollow single pickup jazz box thing. Yeah. The D'Angelico stuff, like the resurrection of that brand is really interesting though, because, you know, historically that's been a very, very uh, impactful and popular. Well, I mean popular, you know, is maybe not the right word, but the original D'Angelico guitars are beautiful, like works of art. They're incredible. Um, It's been interesting to see their comeback. I think it's cool that they're bringing the brand back. Um, they are a, you know they're an import brand mostly i they, they have a u.s wing right yeah they have I th- some I think stuff so. yeah made in the us but I think most of their most popular models are made overseas mm-hmm. like korea maybe i don't know um but i've played a couple of them and they're they, they're good they seem to be you know pretty solid for the money yeah
1: and they have most of them that well that i've i've seen have like matte finishes and stuff. yeah they do have that the, there are some goofy shapes like the bob Weir model is <laughs> yeah. Pretty out there. I mean, Bob Weir, of course, right? Um, pretty out there guy. But, um, you know, they're just uh a little off off center for me. But, but yeah. I agree with you. I've played some some old D'Angelicos and and just like, you know, the, it's it's one of those things that because most of the time I think when people play vintage jazz boxes, most of the time they're they're running into uh Gibson style stuff. And, yeah. and, and they're great. Like, you know, vintage L5s, things like that. They're incredible guitars. But when you play a D'Angelico, you go like, oh, I understand why this is so expensive. Because they're yeah. really, they're, they're just phenomenal. But right, getting back right. to the <laughs> the topic at hand, I, I sent another guitar.
0: And I've got it pulled up here.
1: The Bartlett uh, Retrospect.
0: Okay, so now this is a good example of when you first sent it to me, my initial reaction was, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but now I've got it pulled up, and it it's working for me a little bit. I'm not going to lie, growing on now, I, yeah. I will say I think this is so, somewhat close to a Fano design. Um, what's the? It was Dennis's version. It was a Fano version of a uh, Les Paul. I can't remember the actual oh, model yeah. name. Well, there's uh, the
1: what was the SP6? But that that was like no, that's not it. <laughs>
0: I think that was the junior... I don't know if Dennis is watching this. I'm sorry for butchering your old uh, stuff. But this Mm -hmm. is basically like a Les Paul. It's like for people listening to the pod. So this is... It's called the Bartlett Retrospec. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's essentially an alternate universe Les Paul, if you will. Yeah. So it's got the bottom shape, the bottom bout of a Les Paul traditional shape. And then... Uh, it's almost a double cutaway. It's not quite a, I don't know. Would you call that a double cut? It,
1: not, not really. It looks like a Les Paul was like left in the sun and melted
0: (laughs) a little bit. It's not quite an offset, even though your initial reaction, when you look at it's like, Oh, it's an offset Les Paul, but it's not because the lower bouts not offset and the waist is not offset. Yeah. Um, so it has, yeah, it just looks like a Les Paul that's kind of just melted a little bit. Yeah, a
1: Salvador Dali Les Paul sort of thing. Yeah. It, so Tom Bartlett, he um he's like a like Les Paul, a burst aficionado. I think he sure. refinishes them and stuff. He sells a lot of like replica parts, but the retrospect is made like is legit made like a, a vintage burst. Um, I, don't, I think the only thing he might not use is like the formaldehyde glue for the top, but everything else, you know, it's the same style nitro. It's Honduran mahogany. It's um, Brazilian rosewood board. It's all like you know, legit mother of pearl from Italy. Like it's 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 as close as you could get, honestly, to a a a, a burst, just not in a burst shape, per se. Right, but, and they're
0: they're priced accordingly. I'm seeing the prices on here, seventy eight hundred bucks. Yeah, they um, aren't cheap. They're not, they're not cheap, and part of me thinks, yeah, okay, I can understand the shape now because it's very clear what he's going for, mm-hmm. but we all know Gibson, and we all know how they love to go after companies for their shapes, uh, and so it seems that it's almost like necessity was the mother of invention here. It's like, well, I want to do a burst, mm-hmm. uh, the closest thing that you can get to a burst without getting sued, and so it's he's tweaked the shape a little bit, which I can understand. Yeah, and I Um, think he
1: has made in the past, he made like more of a traditional looking body shape. But I don't know, like I saw, I first saw this in um, just some like YouTube demos of an amp, the Tex amp, which is this guy's another Canadian guy. um, And uh, the the Bartlett, they're made in Canada. But like, I just, I don't know, I kind of fell for it because he does very traditional, either gold, black, or burst. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know.
0: I dig it. But yeah. they are they are pricey. <laughs> and speaking of Gibson, now yeah. listen, the I'm a huge fan of Gibson shapes. I think the 335 is the best I think of mass produced guitars. I made a video about this a couple weeks ago, but I just think the 335 is the best looking guitar out there in terms of mass produced. I love Firebirds even though those are kind of crazy weird shapes. I always get I always get confused on the reverse versus non-reverse one of them i really hate (laughs) the other one i really like the you uh, hate you hate non-reverse yes i don't like the non-reverse firebirds i like the reverse firebirds uh the les paul no i mean that's like the les paul is just a great looking guitar the shapes are right the proportions are right but the modern is an abomination (laughs) it is (laughs) It's astonishing to me that someone in 1958, was it, uh, do we know who designed it or was it, is that lost to history?
1: You know, I don't know. I mean, everyone kind of credits Ted McCarty with all this stuff, but he was just like the boss. I don't know if he was actually uh, sitting at a drafting table, like drawing all this stuff up.
0: Well, according Um, to lore, the 335 was the actual brainchild of McCarty, but I don't know that any other guitar really was attributed to him.
1: Well, you know, you know what's so weird about the three thirty five, and I think about this a lot. You know, you, you, there's the 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 famous story of Les Paul and the log, which was like the guitar he initially pitched to Gibson, which was a center block, like a, a four by four piece of wood with Epiphone guitar wings like affixed to it, which is basically a three thirty five, three thirty five, right? Uh, so like you know, it, it's kind of funny that I feel like Les kind of gets left out of the conversation so often about the 335 when in essence he was the first guy to do that. Cause he played that stupid thing. Like if you've seen it, like it's a, it's a real like ugly, goofy guitar, but it, it's, I mean, it definitely did a thing that no one else had done up until that point, but very, um, very curious. I don't know who, who came up with all the, the actual, like who sat and drew these things, you know?
0: Well, the modern, I think is the ugliest guitar um, ever.
1: I think the Futura is uglier.
0: Um, Let me see here. We're going to have an ugly off.
1: So there was, for those that don't know, when the Flying V in 1958, um, there was four guitars. There was the the Flying V, the Explorer, the Modern, and the Futura. And the Modern and the Futura never made it to production. Legend has it that like Billy Gibbons has the only production Modern. He says he doesn't. Um, I don't know. The myth is they cut them up and put them in the dumpster behind the... Parsons Street plant
0: which is so. what they should have done <laughs> <But> <laughs> Kill I, them all.
1: I, I think it's cool like yeah I mean explain the shape of the modern for those all right <laughs> listening dude home.
0: it's it's half of a flying V okay with this strange okay picture flying V all right uh, just a, a direct on profile shot of a flying V now cut that flying V in half the left side is a normal flying V shapes so you have the left wing of the V the right side, which would be the bottom of the guitar if it was on your lap, is this strange compound curve with a with a horn cut out, and then a smaller, like, little baby flying V-wing. It's just wrong. The whole thing is just wrong. I've got mm-hmm. the Futura pulled up here. The Futura looks like a bad Dean copy of an Explorer, yeah. which... It's ugly, but I, okay, I can kind of forgive it. At least it's somewhat symmetrical. It's, it's wacky looking, whatever. The modern is awful. It's just awful. You didn't even talk about the headstock. No, no, wait. I I can't. Cause
1: the headstock is what people call a whale tail headstock.
0: I don't have a picture of the headstock here. Oh man.
1: Oh Jesus. Cause it's it's like, it's like, it's, it's also like, it it looks kind of like this. Like it. It looks like a whale tail, like sticking out of the ocean, only with tuners on it. It's such oh, a goofy yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Yep,
0: you're right. Yep, and dude, I saw. I was at a Guitar Center. Uh, This was probably last year, sometime. My local Guitar Center actually ha- usually has a really great used wall. I go in there to check out the used wall, and usually they have a killer selection of used stuff. And they had. I've, I took a picture of it. I'll try and find it and send it to you, so you can post it in the pod. But uh, it was a. It would have been. Uh. Henry J era, probably early 2000s. I don't know exactly what year, but it was a reissue. It was like a black, I think it was a V, but it had the Modern headstock on it. And uh, I remember, look, I took a picture of it and I was like, what in God's name are they doing here? <laughs> I I just don't, I don't get it, man. I really don't get it.
1: It's so weird that I like it. I don't know. It's just one of those things. Um, <laughs> it, it's just It's just goofy. Are there any guitar shapes that, That you like that maybe I wouldn't like. I mean maybe not, but based off this conversation.
0: I mean, I really love the Firebird, the reverse Firebird. No, wait. See, I still can't get get it straight. Reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's The
1: Firebird's so so weird because like it was just the Firebird, and then they made the non reverse Firebird and they call like there's no just like Firebird, you know. Yeah. It's it's kind of convoluted.
0: Um, I don't know, man. I'm pretty straight ahead on, I mean, I love, we both love the novo shape, right? Yeah. I, I, a lot of people don't. Um, but <laughs> looking around, it's like, I mean, uh, le- actually here, let me grab this and see what you think about this.
1: Okay. Oh shit. Uh,
0: so speaking of, uh, the boutique guitar showcase, oh. uh, Diego Vila, Vila guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of a unique. Let me let me get this in the shot here, so everyone can see it. This is a beautiful guitar, beautifully made guitar, uh, but it's got kind of a unique shape, sort of like Jetsons era fifties, you know, jet age kind of kind of shape. Uh, I love this thing. It's on loan. It's not mine, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, Diego <laughs> builds incredible guitars, but it's a it's a somewhat polarizing shape here what do you think about that
1: it it, it looks kind of like a a, a revolta mondata body shape but with um do you remember italia guitars do you remember those? no no yeah they were like um an import brand that made spiritual successors to all the weird italian guitars from the 60s and they had all the mega perloid goofy looking things it kind of reminds me of that i mean but i like I, i don't like the headstock on that but i do like the body shape and the pick card
0: right the, the uh, I, I love is, the headstock yeah. see this is one of those things that to me and now i like it because it does kind of look like something dennis would have designed but i like the the sort of offset funky weird thing uh it's got a massive neck on it which i love i mean this the, is probably one of the biggest necks i've ever played the body's um,
1: killer uh super yeah. cool looking body but yeah that headstock headstocks can be a make or break for me like yeah it, 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 Almost more so than a body shape sometimes.
0: Oh, I'm the same way. Headstocks, headstocks will completely ruin a guitar shape. A, a perfect example of this. And another great example of of great guitars. I've played them before, and they're amazing. The Tyler guitars. I, oh. Like a Tyler Strat. Yeah. I can't do it because of the headstock shape. The, Just can't do it.
1: They're goofy. They look like... Uh, they look like you put a Strat headstock into Photoshop and used a like a Pixelate filter on it or yeah. something. It's very, it's very, the all the Tylers I've ever seen in person, because he, he, I don't know, makes like normal looking guitars too, but most of the ones I've seen have always been like the ones that are like dipped. Yeah. Uh, and very weird. That would probably be way more fashionable now uh, than when I first saw them because now everyone's like hydro dipping their shoes and stupid stuff.
0: I've been on YouTube. I know what's going on. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's, you know, the shape thing is, uh, it's an interesting discussion. So let us know in the comments down below if you're watching this on YouTube. um, Yeah. What what shapes do you love? What do you hate? Um, It's totally cool. Uh, Like I said, we get, it's a completely subjective thing, you know. Um, But, and actually recently, so I've been a big SG fan for a long time, but I just noticed for the first time and I can't believe it took me this long to notice it—that the horns on the SG are asymmetrical.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not a—it's not a perfectly mirror image.
0: And and now it's I I it's completely killed the SG for me. <laughs> I don't SGs. know why. It just every time I look at an SG now, I just look at how like oh the horns are not the same shape. I don't like yeah. it.
1: It I have a love hate relationship with SGs because I love how they sound and standing yeah. up and playing an SG is is like. it's a rock and roll experience, you know? Yeah. But playing them sitting down, I kind of run into the same problems I have playing a Firebird. I feel like it kind of feels far away. Firebird feels more far away. It feels like I'm playing a bass. Yeah. But, but the SG just sits kind of funny. Whereas a Les Paul kind of sits more in my comfort zone. Um, It's so funny. Like I was so nervous talking about Novo again, that Novo's like, because of their size would not sit right for me. Mm -hmm. But Totally fine. Totally, totally fine.
0: Again, because Dennis designs, (laughs) he designs the body shape to be as ergonomic as possible. I mean, it's really brilliant, like, what he's doing. It's not just about the aesthetic of it. It's about how it feels standing up, how it feels sitting down. Um, And I've seen that firsthand um, because I've had input on, well, I don't know if I can... Anyways, I've seen the design process firsthand and uh, he thinks about all of that stuff. I mean, he—he, yeah. he, it's not just how it looks on a picture or an Instagram post. It's like how it feels when you're sitting down and playing it.
1: i, th- I think it shocks a lot of people how big those guitars are because when yeah, they actually get guitars. to see them, they're like, "Oh, wow!" Because it's—it's yeah. a big guitar.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I love. Except I love for
1: the, the Solus, kind of feels more normal guitar sized, and
0: yeah, the Solus is know. more of—I've um, got the prototype one here still. Uh, it's it's almost yeah it's more like a fender size like an actual fender size whereas like if you look at a novo in a picture you just kind of automatically assume it's the size of a strat or a telly or something it's not they're bigger they're way bigger yeah yeah so the soulless is more like a traditional fender or gibson design yeah totally yeah so let's see here transition (laughs) this is what you have in the notes (laughs) guilty pleasures i love some weird things but what are some guitar shapes effects amps things that you dig Great for the comment section. Hey, hey, man!
1: Forward thinking.
0: Got to get that yeah. engagement going for the algorithm.
1: What are what are your what are some of your guilty pleasures like mm. in the guitar community as a whole or guitar effect gear, amp realm, everything? I've I rambled. Mm. I, I don't know what I'm saying.
0: Well, I don't know if this is a guilty pleasure or not. Um, it depends. This is uh, it depends on who you are and your preferences and and whatever. But. I actually really like the sound of a modeler and I know it's sacrilege to a lot of players out there like, Oh, it's not the real thing. Whatever, man. Listen. Yeah. A lot of modelers sound different than amps. They do. Uh, But sometimes there is a thing that happens in a mod and a helix, for example, that's not true to an actual amp. It's different than a real analog tube amp. But sometimes that's real cool. Mm-hmm. Like that sort of digital hi-fi kind of thing that you can get out of a modeler that's way harder to get out of a tube amp can be a really, really cool thing. Cool. Uh, and I, I like it, man. When I'm just sitting down here playing by myself, I'll pull up the Helix or the Axe Effects or something and pull up a patch that I've made that's got a real sparkly you know sheen on it and and some re uh like a long reverb and some some modulation and just play along with that and i like it
1: well it, it sounds produced like yeah yeah it, you're not like like i i could understand that because it's like you're hearing the, the, a little bit more of the finished product if yeah. you're going to be cutting a record or you know making a video or doing whatever That that's right. something that i struggle with because like, I, I don't have anything like that. I don't have any modelers. I don't have any plugins to speak of. You know, I just have like my amps and guitars and like a few mics that I don't use. I just use the aux and I don't even use that to like its full potential. I just use things really dry. And sometimes I think I need to like dive into that world. I, like so, I honestly, I kind of want to get a helix or something so I can just have that experience where yeah. I just sit down and like I'm creating like music with something that sounds like it could be just like lifted right out of a, a pro tool session.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely technique to it, man. Like the modeling thing specifically with the helix. And I've, I've told line six, this, that their stock presets are terrible. (laughs) Yes. Like, I'm sorry, they don't sound good. And I feel like a lot of people that judge like the helix specifically, They judge it based on they plugged it in. They went to a couple of the stock sounds like, well, this sounds terrible. It doesn't sound like a tube amp. It's like, yeah, you're right. The stock sounds don't. But if you know what you're doing and you know how to build presets, uh, you can get it to sound really good. Shameless plug. I think my presets sound really good. Um, That to me is the best selling point of the Axe FX 3 is out of the box. It's the best sounding modeler like their their stock presets sound really really good Mm -hmm. just straight out like i i barely tweak anything in them maybe a little eq here and there and it sounds really good now at what is it three thousand dollars or 3200 bucks whatever it is for that unit it had better be the best sounding modeler out there (laughs) um but yeah it's it's really really good so yeah i would say that's a guilty pleasure for me man i i it's not all the time and don't hear me say that i'm pro modeler all the time i still love tube amps Right. Yeah. But it's a tool. It's a tool. Yeah. And sometimes I like that tool.
1: Yeah. I I think the only thing that I kind of get really, (laughs) and I I don't own one. I want one. Uh, And I I don't, I don't even know why I, I really, really, really want a crazy, like high gain metal guitar. Okay. You know, like I don't play like that, but I want to learn some things and not like I mean like just something that I can like chug on that has really high output pickups and like those sort of things I, you know I like that the um the stuff that like Keith Marrow does and those sort of like instrumental just heavy tracks like I think that's really cool and that's one of those things that I think if most people like met me and saw my gear they'd be like oh this guy just listens to you know Billy Gibbons and Joe Bonamassa. He's a all the time, he's a blah, blah, blah. boomer blues actually, guy. Like, you know, I I love that kind of music too, the the heavier stuff. Um, yeah. So, that that's the one thing that I I I always see him pop up on Craigslist. I'm, I'm going to get that one, but I never do.
0: So, are you talking about like, you know, a six string with a Floyd and high output pickups or are you talking about like an extended range fan fret super modern just Same.
1: mainly like a shredder guitar. No, I don't like Floyd's. Like the Floyds don't do it for me. I like like, you know, like a more of a, a hip shot, just a fixed bridge. But like I, I physically, because of my hand, I couldn't play like a seven or eight string guitar like comfortably. It's just it wouldn't make sense. But like I want like a six string that I can detune and like just have really high output pickups and just chug on. Because when when I was, like, 16 or 17, like, all I listened to was, like, Metallica and, like, Megadeth and stuff like that. And so there's a part of me that wants to go back to that and just...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Man, I never had that. I never had that phase. I mean, the heaviest stuff I would listen to in high school was, like, Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. Do you know them? No. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, like, (laughs) hard, hard, hard Southern rock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'd listen to, like, Mayleen, um, but I never really got into the super heavy stuff. I'm not a Metallica fan. I'm sorry. Just I just can't do it. And like a, it. a lot of that the metal from the seventies and eighties and stuff is just not my thing. So I just and then more recently, like I've I've been listening to a lot of different stuff trying to kind of expand my horizons. And, um, I've been listening to a lot of the modern sort of guitar bands that are really popular right now, the progressive and instrumental bands and stuff. And it just doesn't, I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day and, uh, he and I were talking and I was like, you know what it is? There's not enough space. Yeah. Like it, it, like they just fill up all this, all of the space in the song is filled up by guitar parts and then by drum fills and, and not a bad thing. It just doesn't do it for me. You know, it it, it's, I, I like players like, um, you know, this is kind of completely out of left field, but like, okay, John Schofield, for example, why do I like John Schofield so much? Because he leaves so much space in his playing.
1: Yeah. the, now this is they're a heavy band but they're not necessarily like a i wouldn't say they're like a metal band but have you ever listened to bands like um, pelican or russian circles or anything like that it's just like just heavy slow but like melodic and stuff it just sounds like the soundtrack to a like Aliens and space eating people on a you know <laughs> planet sort of movie. It's just yeah. great, but like that sort of stuff, I really dig. But those guys like, like I they, they all play like Les Pauls and you know bands yeah. like uh, Baroness. They play like Fender guitars and like I like I love Baroness and like that sort of thing. But it's you know I don't know like I just have this this part of me that wants to play really loud heavy music, uh, and like potentially get a fine for my HOA
0: my version of that is muse okay i yeah. i love love muse yeah. seen them live twice um yeah that's like that giant anthemic heavy um re- revolt rock right yeah man I love love that shit yeah it's uh, awesome. I saw them this would have been six or seven years ago now in Atlanta I, the first time I saw them they opened for you too on the 360 tour and that was epic it yeah. was awesome and then the second time they came and headlined a festival here in Atlanta and, and we saw them and um, man yeah I loved it I was so the, fired up
1: they're legit they're the real deal
0: yeah yeah the, man
1: <laughs> talking about concerts is there any concert that, like, if you admitted that you went to somebody, they would, like, say, what? Or, like, shame you, but you had a good time? Because I have oh. a concert that I went to when I was in high school that people are like, Zach, what the hell are you
0: doing? Well, I don't know that people would necessarily shame me for this. I was, I will say I was surprised. So, uh, usually every year, about this time of year, we have a big music festival in Atlanta called Music Midtown. It's been going on since the 90s. It's awesome. And, the, and it's a huge festival. I mean, they get... A list uh, bands coming through. It's a multi-day festival, and um, this was this would have been two years ago now. Um, some friends of mine, the Revivalists, were playing, and we, Tilly and I, went and and saw them. And uh, we we were hanging out after the show, and we were like, okay, well, we're gonna head out. And Fallout Boy was playing; they were headlining one of the stages that night. And so we were like, all right, well, we'll just we'll swing by, we'll catch one of their songs, you know, right when they're set, and then we'll we'll get out of here. And Dude, we stayed for the whole set and I will be damned if it wasn't the best, one of the best shows I've ever seen. Like I was never a huge Fall Out Boy fan in in high school or whatever. I knew their hits or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They kick ass live. Absolutely kick ass live. I will go see them again at some point in the near future. It was (laughs) sick.
1: (laughs) That's so funny. The the band I saw that most people would say, what? Uh, In high school, I went and saw Creed. Yeah, <laughs> Seven Dust, yeah, Finger, Finger 11, all in one bill. <laughs> and yeah. Dude, it was awesome. It like yeah. I mean, like Creed, like, you know, whatever, Scott Stapp, but just like they were a good band. Like, you know, they were legit like talented dudes, especially, you know, Mark Tremonti. But yeah. like it was it was like great. Seven Dust was awesome, Finger 11 was awesome. But I think one of the funniest things I ever no, it's not I don't know if funny is the right word, but I saw lit open for no doubt, which okay. was no doubt was, oh my gosh, amazing. But the opening band for both of them was the black eyed peas before Fergie. And they were incredible, like mind blowing how good this band was. And it was at, um, St- uh, the starwood amphitheater in Nashville, before they tore it down this big outdoor venue and no joke we were in there's like a covered pavilion part that was closest to the stage and that's where i was i was like one of the few people standing up like getting into the black eyed peas everyone else was like sitting down just like this isn't (laughs) what i came for but they were amazing and there's there's a really cool documentary about the original female vocalist for that band and she was basically like asked to leave but she was there and just like man you if anyone's never heard like old black eyed peas stuff you should like check it out because it's different and it's it's really good it's, it's like it's awesome music
0: i yeah i that would uh, i'm not a black eyed peas fan uh, they're one of the bands for me that it's it's like nails on a chalkboard well but i've now, never heard it yeah i've never heard any of their older stuff
1: you it was more uh, like r&b like it's it different like, i yeah. think you, you would you would probably dig it. If, if i played it for you, you'd be like what what is this i don't know what this
0: is yeah well, it's kind of like Maroon Five, man. Songs about Jane. It's one of the best yep. records of the two thousands, and they, the the stuff that they put out since is like, guys, don't just just do do that. Do that record like again. It was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, the I, I don't understand what happened. I mean, I think it's just like their fame kind of got ahead of them. But, um, but yeah, what a weird transition for a band that was like such a band, yeah. to Go to now just being like some really just to overproduce you know just making songs in a studio that you don't really even play live I mean, you just play a yeah. track
0: yeah right yeah coldplay's kind of done that too unfortunately yeah. i mean the first few coldplay records are like cornerstones for me as as far as just amazing records i mean the scientist is one of the yeah. the scientist is a perfect song it's just a perfect song there's nothing about that song that needs to change yeah and then, you know, the stuff they put out since Milo Xylito, since like 2012, they've just kind of gotten just more and more like, ugh, dude, do you think b- do that again.
1: Do you think there's any band that has been like consistently, you know, on point with everything, you know?
0: No, I think it's just, I, I don't, it's part of, part of human, it's just part of creativity, right? Like, right. And you're not, it's going back to that subjective thing. You're just not going to make everybody happy all the time. Yeah. And you can't, and you shouldn't try, right? Like, uh, like these guitar designers, they shouldn't try to make me or you or anybody else happy with their guitar shape. They should make what they want to make and what excites them to make it. You know. Right.
1: Yeah. I, I I totally agree. And it's, it's funny though. Like you see bands, I I I just feel like talking about music right now. Like that, (laughs) kind of let the market dictate what they're going to do. And the prime example, in my opinion is Weezer. Um, yeah. Like I, I love Weezer The well, um, the first couple of records, you know, and it's just crazy. Like I had no idea how many like albums Weezer actually had. Right. Like go on Spotify. There's like so many records and they're all the same and they're all really like not great. There's a few good songs every now and again, but it's just like, wow. Like what happened? You know, I, I think, it like that's a very interesting thing they had a band that actually still tours and is kind of i mean like people know who weezer is but you know it's just a shell of the former self in, in a way
0: <laughs> yeah i i don't know man i mean I'm, I'm sure there's bands out there you know and i think bands that have maintained <laughs> their sort of artistic integrity and continue to make great stuff w- were bands that weren't together for very long right you think about yeah. the beatles right? Yeah. They were only together for 10 years. You know, they, that's so crazy. Ha, had they continued on, I'm sure the Beatles would have made a, a shitty record or two. Right. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just inevitable, man. You can't, you can't have hits all the time. Yep. Uh, what about you? What's, what's guilty pleasures in terms of guitar stuff?
1: Well, apart from the shredder thing, like, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing I think is like really shreddy guitars and, and actually like really high gain amps. like, you wouldn't think that I would like that. So for me, that is kind of a guilty pleasure. Um, I, I think that's that's probably the biggest the biggest thing. Um,
0: yeah, you should just get a Helix, man. I know I should, I, or some I need kind to of modeller. Like,
1: just find one used or something, and then yeah, just because I'm sure there's one on Craigslist floating around that I could.
0: I could yeah, be, because what it's what it is is like you could just fire up a couple of high gain sounds in a modeller and have that sort of you know, scratch that itch of wanting to get a high gain sound out and then be like, okay, cool. That was, that was good. You don't don't need to go out and spend three grand on like a, you know,
1: I don't have to buy a diesel Herbert or have you ever played one of those?
0: No, no dude. I, there's too many fucking knobs on the front of that thing. It's just, there's too much. Like the, the, I look at them and I'm like, man, that's, that's my anti amp.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, 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 uh, Earthquaker, they had an amp. Earthquaker devices, the pedal company, they had an amp that someone built for them that was just like a volume yeah. knob.
0: They have it in NAM every year. Yeah. Like
1: I was like, oh, that's that's what I need. I just need yeah I just need more go.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I used to have a um a well it wasn't really a rules thing, I, I would say. It was like, what was it? If there's more knobs than Oh, shit, I can't remember what it was. There was like a rule that I had. It was like more knobs on the amp than something, and I wasn't into it. But anyway, the point was like the amps that have uh like the fifty-one fifties are that like that for me. I used to use one at Rick's studio a lot. Like that was his go-to clean amp, which I never understood because he had a great yeah. deluxe reverb and twin and everything. But he had this fifty-one fifty, like three channel thing and independent EQs for each channel, and you could do. It. I was like, man, just just get a, you know, if you want the high gain thing, Eddie was able to do all that stuff with a Marshall or whatever right. he happened to be using at the time. I'm not a huge Van Halen fan. Uh, crucify me in the comments if you want to, but um, yeah, just, the, the multi-channel super high gain and things like, Oh, it's got a great clean tone, a great edge of breakup tone, great overdrive tone, great lead tone, all in one amps. Like, no, it doesn't. It, <laughs> One amp can't do all that stuff super well. It might do one of those things or two of those things pretty good, but I, I, I don't know.
1: I can't think of any. Yeah, like that—that that might be a good thing for people to comment in, comment on. Like, is there an amp that can do all of that? Like, I mean, that's super subjective. Um, but you're right. Like, you know, Mesa Boogie is another example. It's like the the amps that I have loved the most typically have less knobs they shouldn't have like more knobs than tubes or something that maybe yeah
0: yeah yeah (laughs) i think it's it's a good it's a good tool right like if you need in the past if you needed a tube amp that would do a pretty good clean sound a pretty good drive sound and it would take pedals pretty well yeah okay cool something like a mesa something you know whatever but to say that it's like yeah it has you know fender cleans and marshall plexi overdrives and does all that stuff even the more modern, like boutique stuff, like the third power kitchen sink. Yeah. I really like the third power amps. But I played the kitchen mm. sink, and it's like this is a this is a jack of all trades, master of none amp. Yeah. where I think it would be better to have two amps that do like have a really great clean amp and have a really great you know dirty amp or whatever.
1: When that the last NAM, because you went to boutique amps and did all that thing, right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did
1: did you play that new? the Synergy, which is like the new Randall, it's a new eggnator with like the modules. Have you, yeah, I actually
0: have, I have a a combo out in the, the live room right now. They sent me last week Mm. to check out just alone. And they sent me, uh, the Morgan module, the AC 20, which will actually be kind of cool to shoot it out against my AC 20 behind me here. Um, they sent me the Soldano module, which is what I have in there right now. And then they sent me, I think a Friedman module. Okay. Yeah. That's For those of you that don't know, basically the Synergy thing, uh, the one I have out there is a 112 combo, and it's it's a tube amp. It's got two power section, two preamp section, um, but you essentially have these, these modules, think of like a 500 series module in the recording world, that are different tone stack and preamp sections from different amplifiers, so... You have like a Morgan AC-20, you have a Soldano SLO-100, you have a Friedman BE-100, and you literally plug in these modules and you're essentially revoicing that amplifier to be that kind of thing. Um, Interesting idea. You can have a really curated,
1: like, multi-channel amplifier that is set to you it's kind of like having like like nintendo cartridges like right on the front of the
0: yeah yeah it's, it's exactly like that um i haven't spent too much time with that one out there yet i had it got here right when we were getting ready for the last live show and i just haven't had time to like really mess with it it's got a cream back in it and um nice. it's got some cool features on it man it's got a direct out it's it's fully tube um it's got a you know foot switch kind of thing i just I don't know. I need before I before I pass judgment on it, I need to actually like spend time playing it and seeing what it does well.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because that's not a new concept, but it is like, you know, I feel like we're getting to a point where technology can kind of catch up with people's ambition. Yeah. And um, you know, when people really want to accomplish something, I feel like the the only limit now is like time and money. Yeah. Because like most tech I think is is possible. Right. Um, But you know, you look at all that and it's just curious like, is it going to be so much better than having a Helix or a Kemper, like, you know, behind? That's
0: what I was about to say. It's like, if I think about this as a player, you know, if I put myself in the gigging, working musician player or the hobbyist player, somebody that maybe gigs on the weekends or whatever, I think. I'm just not sure that personally I would pick that over something like a Kemper or a Helix or an Axe FX. Um, I understand it. It's like, yeah, it's all tube, right? So you do get that, um, that feel and response. It's a real guitar speaker. Like it's a real, it's a real amp, right? It's, it's not like a hybrid or whatever, but the Helix man, specifically I've toured with that. I've gigged with it a lot. Um, the Axe FX was going to be my uh, my festival rig for this year. That's what I was planning. I was planning on building the Axe effects out as my go-to, like grab-and-go, fly rig, festival rig. Obviously, yeah. that didn't happen. Yeah. But I have a lot of experience with the Helix Live, and dude, <laughs> it's good. For for live setting, it's good, and it's a great tool. Um, I just think I would go with that now.
1: Yeah, I people ask me... Like on live streams and stuff, if, if I was going to tour, what would be my setup? And I say a Helix, I've not even played one, but I know like I've carried amps with like, like I've, I've, you know, done the schlepping of gear and like, I don't want to have to do that. Yeah. You know, the, the only reason you don't need that is if you're playing tiny little like bar gigs, you know,
0: or, or if you are on a gig, um, like last year I had the opportunity to, to do some pretty big tours and and it was every venue we were playing was a union venue, which means that as soon as you pull up, there's union guys unloading all your gear. You, you really don't have to touch your gear. And in that case, and we're playing arenas. And so in that case, it's like, yeah, I'm going to bring my big amp. I'm going to bring my right. full rig because we have a trailer. We have stage hands. We have people there to help you move and, and schlep all the stuff for you. And I've road cases for everything. Um, and so in that kind of setting and yeah, bring your big stuff, bring, bring your big rig, but everything else, man. Yeah.
1: Well, I I just think like the one thing I would want to ask is, is the experience better for you as a player when you have the actual like amp sitting behind you?
0: Yes. Um, Uh, for a few reasons. One, because you're moving air when you're in a big room on a big stage and you can, like, I had my FTR on that tour. Uh, I've said it a million times, that amp's loud as shit. But yeah, because yeah. we were on arena stages, I was able to run it wide open at its, like, where it liked to live, where it liked mm-hmm. to sit. And that amp, through that 212, hitting it with a fuzz, hitting it with the different effects, even, like, a, your clean sound, there's that, that sort of concussion, that sort of thud that happens when the note, when a powerful amp is really pushing, the transformers are really pushing, the speakers are really pushing. That's where the, the guitar and amp wants to be. And, and when that starts to happen, the amp becomes part of the instrument because the guitar and amp are interacting. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was really cool. There's also just sort of the tactile element and, and sort of the psychological element of like, yeah, I've got my amp. I'm like, I've got my thing (laughs) behind me. Um, But the logistics of it were really hard. Like we had, I I, had, I not had teams of stagehands helping me out every night with the changeovers. I could not have had that amp out on the road because it's casing up, uncasing, patching everything in. Like, yeah, it's just too much. If, if
1: you had to have a low stage volume, would you, would you bother? Um, I I know it's like an arena or whatever. It's kind of, it's, not as big of a contentious point, but you know, let's say you had to just have your head, and you had to have the you know miked up in an ISO cab or something. Would 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 then you just say I'm just going to bring a multi effect you know modeler? Like
0: yeah, yeah. I think now I would bring just the the Helix or a smaller amp or whatever, just because when you when you attenuate an amp uh, or something like that. You're just not, it's not doing what it wants to do. Right. Um, And, and the, the best alternative is using something like the Aux or the Captor X, the Torpedo Captor X. Those are really good options. They let you run your amp. You can run the amp where it likes to be. But the trade-off there is you're not getting the drive from the cabinet, right? Right, yeah. It, it's really about moving air. It's really what it's about. And if you can't do that, then you're giving up one of the the main advantages of using your big rig out on the road. So at that point, then it becomes more about a balance of convenience, ease of transport. Cause the other thing too, man, like (laughs) the older I've gotten, um, you can really hurt yourself. Yeah. Yes. yes. Like dude, my, the, the FTR head in its case in its head case is almost 90 pounds. Just the head. The cabinet, the two twelve, is about the same weight. Like loading that stuff in and out of trailers all the time, you can really hurt your back. I've I've almost screwed my hands up where, you know, you put one case on top of another, you're pushing out and it slips and it almost pinches your hand. Like th- that is a consideration to take when you're moving your own gear all the time. Like it's a, you know, it's not the most practical thing.
1: When when we were flying to England recently, and I, I took the Novo just in the mono bag. Like, I don't have a great shoulder and just walking around the airport with that thing on my back. It hurt my back. Yeah. Like, you know, I couldn't imagine having like a dual mono case and like carrying a board and like doing all that kind of stuff just night after night after night. It would, I think it would really hurt me. I've done
0: it, dude. I've done it dozens of times. The dual mono bag, two guitars, pulling a pedal board. And because I was filming everything all the time, my camera bag as well with all my camera gear trying to get through multiple airports and connecting flights and dude, it's, it's just a, a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well. yeah, man, that's, you know, the, that's, that's really the, now if you're a home player and you know, just play whatever you want, we're, we're talking right. from like a gigging working perspective.
1: Yeah. I, I think everyone, you kind of have to take a step back too and like look and see what really fits your situation. Cause I feel like a lot of people get really tied into the excitement of, like playing a thing, having a thing, doing that thing when you do your thing, but mm-hmm. like keep it practical because, yeah. you know, like I was trying to use a, a Z rack at bar gigs, stupid. Don't do that. You know, you don't need
0: that. Right. <laughs> you know, right.
1: so you gotta, you always have to like keep it in perspective regardless of how much you love it. I think, you know, you gotta be respectful of your audience and your, your band members as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's something to take into consideration. So Anyways, well, I think we about covered it. I think so. I think we've
1: we've done a great job. Uh, big shout out to everyone who's um, supported us on Patreon. We've had yeah, uh, we've we've hit um, like thirteen or fourteen patrons. Nice. So We've like covered our our hosting fees, so now we're well on our way to be able to buy our first thing uh, suggested by the the community for us to uh, love or hate and play. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know if we'll just like one of us will make a video, or we'll like do it in the the, the podcast.
0: I don't um, know. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, and we're almost we're at a, a thousand subscribers away. on YouTube as well. So uh, thank you if you're if you're subscribed on YouTube. This is yeah. um the fastest come up of a YouTube channel I've ever been a, a part of. <laughs> so it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah the, it's uh, awesome.
1: And now the audio podcast is on Spotify. It's on um, Apple. I'm going to submit it. I think I submitted it to Google. I'm going to submit it to Amazon now as a podcast thing. So um, it should be making its way into every outlet, you know, in the next week or so. so.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. I'll be dipped. Episode four. <laughs> Thanks for watching, y'all. We'll see y'all Thanks, next guys. week.